0: Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how anything is possible. I'm delighted to welcome back special guest, Gordon Stein. Gordon is a personal finance expert, international keynote speaker, blogger, and the author of Cashflow Cookbook. You can reach Gordon and learn more about his book on his website, cashflowcookbook.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome back, Gordon. I'm so glad to be visiting with you today.
1: Oh, it's great to be here. Great to see you again, Linda.
0: It was a pleasure. Last time we talked about money and it was awesome. And we had so much fun talking. And then after we finished, you know, stopping recording, then we kept talking for another half an hour and we could have kept going because you have all these amazing stories. And so today we're going to talk about overcoming those self-limiting beliefs and being able to do awesome things. So, um, let's start with your guitar collection. So why were you called Four Chord Gourd?
1: Uh So I bought uh, the guitar, where would it be? Right there, uh, when I was 16 years old. And, uh, you know, I thought everyone thinks it's cool to play the guitar, everybody plays their guitar. So I bought it when I was 16, and I learned four chords. And, you know, my friends would call me Four Chord Gord because that's all I had. And in my mind it sounded like the songs. of course, to them it sounded like the same chords. And which song was that again, you know? <laughs> so um and, and I let it go like everyone does. I think the stat is ninety-seven percent of people give up on the guitar in the first year. But which is a crime. And an even bigger crime is the number of people when I'm on Zoom meetings, they'll say, Oh, look at all those guitars. I wish I had musical talent. And I gotta say, that is a preposterous, unbelievable, self-limiting thing. I have no musical talent whatsoever. And it's just a lot of hard work. And with the time that most people spend watching TV, you could learn three foreign languages. You could be an expert on the guitar. You could, you know, learn how to surf. There's, there's it's limitless the things that you can do. So, um, much later in life, probably at about age 50 or so, I thought, you know what, I have the time now. I've got the money to get a really nice guitar. And I want to get into it again because I just love it. I love sing-alongs, you know, I'm not a great singer. And um, so I bought the acoustic right here, um, and I love it. And I took some online lessons, and I worked away on it. And then I found this fabulous teacher, Mickey McGinnis is his name, in Ottawa, Canada. And I still Zoom with him every week. We still work on things. But the transformation is phenomenal, and the ability to just get lost in playing the guitar. I grab one of the five that are up there every day with an amp or just acoustic. And uh, sometimes my lead singer slash wife joins me, and, uh, and it just—it is so much fun, and there's so much joy in it. And the number of Zoom meetings where we start talking about it, and people say, "Oh, geez, I wish I could." It interrupts probably ten minutes of each meeting, and I say, "No, no, you no, don't no, understand. You can go do it. Go give it a try. Fabulous."
0: So it's beyond, I wish I could, it's, let's put some effort in. I loved when we were talking before how you said, I am a musician who is unencumbered by talent. And I thought that was a hilarious way to describe, because if we can start with, well, I am unencumbered by talent, so I can do this. I mean, that is a really fun way to approach things. That it's okay that we don't start with all these natural gifts, or we didn't start when we were eight years old, that we can do it whenever we choose to do it so well done and i'm so glad and you also got to fulfill a dream of playing in a bar playing like performing for real and that was a really big deal so congratulations for that
1: yeah yeah no it's terrific and you know what you, you you know if you don't have the musical talents you're probably not going to make it to Carnegie hall so you know you can accept that and if you're not a gifted athlete genetically, you're probably not going to make it to the Olympics either. But there's this massive range of enjoyment that's somewhere short of Carnegie Hall or somewhere short of the Olympics, but everyone can play and everyone can enjoy.
0: I like that. So this is for personal enjoyment. Since we're talking about being short of the Olympics, should we talk about running next? About Uh, how you went from a non-runner to multiple marathons?
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, there's, there's, there's really no hero story. And I don't want people to get, you know, the wrong impression. But, you know, I had this idea of, you know, running a marathon is kind of an ultimate thing to do, you know, an ultimate personal test. You know, it hits your mind against this Herculean task. And, um, it, you know, it kind of intrigued me. And a friend of mine was a, a marathon runner. And I knew him when in my 20s and he'd always said that's what you know that would be a cool goal to do and I could never run more than a couple hundred yards for a very good reason If <laughs> I went more than a couple hundred yards my legs would start to hurt my lungs would be burning it was really uncomfortable same as anyone else who has no athletic skills anyway but you know kept at it and kept at it and then you know got to a part where I could you know do a 5k five kilometers or three miles if I had somebody else with me and then I'd do it on my own i I kind of pack it in because it's you know it was too hard, and then I figured I could finally got to the point I could run five kilometers, I could run ten kilometers and work my way up, and then uh, entered the lottery to get into the New York marathon and it was the first time I'd ever been to New york City, and you know flew to New York City, and you see the yellow calves and you know you've seen it in a million movies at the time nineteen ninety two and um and so I ran the race after unbelievable amounts of training, like going out for a three-hour training run. You know, my neighbors would see me heading out, and then they'd see me coming back three hours later. They'd go, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's just that crazy. Anyway, so I was out there running the race, and, uh, you know, the last six miles, is 26 miles, the last six miles are unbelievably, unbearably difficult. You know, you're literally, you don't know why you're there. You're putting one foot in front of the other, but I just knew I was not going to walk a single step, I was going to run the whole thing. I didn't set any land speed records. What was interesting, about uh, four miles before the finish, I saw these runners, and they were sort of had leashes between their wrists. I thought, what's going on? And I got closer, and on their shirts, it said Achilles Track Club. And then it dawned on me, these were visually impaired runners. So people who were running without the ability to see, if you just think about it, You know, what would that be like? You don't know what the time is. You don't know what your pace is. You don't know what lies ahead. You're trusting somebody else for potholes. You have a hundred percent trust in someone else to get you through. And, you know, I went from this elation and pride in myself. Oh my goodness. I was actually going to do it. And suddenly I was a no one and the hero were very clear with these visually impaired runners. Unbelievable that they could do this. And what I had done was literally a fraction of what they did. So. What was funny was a few years later, um, I registered to run uh, the Toronto half marathon, 13 mile race, got my race kit. And then I saw the booth for the Achilles track club. And I remembered what I had seen years earlier in New York. And I went up to the woman at the booth and I said, I have to say, that's amazing what you're doing. What a wonderful thing to help people. And she looked at me, she said, well, will you guide a runner? And my first reaction in my mind for a split second was that, you know, it's really my thing. I just want to enjoy my day out running. And I, you know, slapped myself. And I said, yes. And I said, I would do that for sure. And she said, great. and Took down my pace and said, okay, we'll call you if we have someone who runs at a similar pace. And I thought, great. And I kind of forgot about it and I got a call. And they said, okay, look, we have somebody who runs at your pace. Are you still able to guide them in the race? I said, I'd be delighted to. And they said, there is a catch. And I said, what's the catch? Well, this individual only speaks Russian. And so I said, <laughs> well, whatever, you know, I'm happy to guide them. And um, then I started thinking about that. Well, how is this even going to work? You know, so this person can't see. How am I going to communicate to them in Russian? And I remembered I had a friend who was fluent in Russian. So I asked him, I said, hey, can you write out for me phonetically these phrases in Russian? So, you know, careful, you know, let's speed up. There's a pothole. So I practiced all these Russian phrases till I have them down cool. So I'm training for the race. I'm practicing my Russian <laughs> and uh, so I get to the race and the appointed meeting place. And so they line me up with this visually impaired runner. And um, so we're connected uh, at the wrist and we start running and I'm yapping away at him in Russian, you know, with this big conversation. And I kind of get the sense he's not understanding what I'm saying. So I switched to English, and he responds right away. I said, I thought you were Russian. He goes, no, he's Bulgarian. You know, he's speaking English. <laughs> 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 Russian. Anyway, so we're running along together. And it's interesting to, to experience the race in the way he experiences it, because he would ask me all the time, what's our pace? You know, what time is it now on the race? How far into the race are we? What mile marker are we at? And so I'd be feeding him the information all the time. And he'd also want me to describe what the road looked like because he could see just minimal amounts of shadow and light, not much more than that. So the race went through, and I'm updating him. And then uh, we get to mile probably 12 is about a mile to go. And he said, hey, um, can you let me know what is about 200 yards left in the race? So I'm watching the signs, and I'm checking my watch. I said, okay, right now we'd be about 300 yards from the finish line. He goes, describe it. And I said, well, it's straight ahead. There's a little rise in the road. Is there any potholes or anything? I said, no, the road looks like it's clear. Is there any gravel? No. So I describe it to him and he says, how far now? I said, well, this probably would be 200 yards. Anyway, he lets go of my wrist. And he just ran like a free man and he was on his own. And I, I felt responsible for him and I gave it everything I could. I couldn't catch him because he was obviously a better runner than me. And just to see his joy of being able to run on his own without somebody holding on to him. And I chased him down as best I could. He made it across the finish line. I you know, met up him in the end. And it was just the most heartwarming moment. So for all the people who think that they can't do something, you know, here's a guy who just wanted to be able to run like any of us sighted runners could. And if he could do it, any of us can not only run or run a marathon or run a half marathon, but we can do anything because I've always been inspired by this gentleman on what he did that day.
0: Isn't that amazing? And that story had so many twists and turns. It does. And it does. learning some Russian phrases so you can communicate and having him show up and he doesn't speak any Russian. And so that was... <laughs> <laughs> but you got to learn a few Russian phrases. So that that's a win-win, right? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. What that an amazing was a thing. day. Yeah,
0: funny. Very inspirational to have people who can do hard things. And when we see other people do hard things, it inspires us, especially if they do it well with a really good attitude. And yet when we have hard things, we think, I don't like hard things. I don't want to do hard things. I want to sit on the couch and watch a show or something like that. So I think it's such a beautiful reminder that we can do hard things, and who knows? But what maybe are hard things, someone else is watching and feeling inspired, like, "Wow, that's a really neat thing." That is
1: a and all these, all story. Of these habits Thank you. All of these habits—they are, are so changeable. You know, people who often use the example of you know people who drink skim milk. Oh, I can't stand two percent. Actually, you could if you switched and worked your way up to it for thirty days then the 2% would taste normal to you and the skim milk would be funny. Same thing with almond milk, you know, same thing with becoming a vegan. It's all much, much more pliable than we think it is, you know. And when I do guitar classes uh, with my teacher, Mickey, each class will say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he's just ripping through something. And I just said, is there any way we could do something a little easier? And, you know, on a scale from easy to is going to explode he keeps me at about a 97 the whole way really yeah and then by the end of the class I'll say holy cow I kind of have it and then we'll get on one week later go make you check this out and you know I've got the same thing he did at the beginning but then he'll set the bar that much farther and it's really just a matter of being open to what you can do and giving a try at something and hard isn't bad Hard is just difficult. That doesn't mean you don't do it. That means you embrace that. And It just means the joy is that much better when you get to the other side.
0: Wow. Have you always felt this way, like, I can do anything? I mean, has that just been part of Gordon forever?
1: I just find it exhilarating. You know, I remember when I was trying to think of what to take at college, and uh was thinking about the idea of engineering, and somebody said, oh, it's all math. It's almost impossible. <laughs> I kind of said, well, oh, really? <laughs> Let's try that. So that's what I took. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's, um, I, I, it's, it's the fun of succeeding on the other end. It's the ability to find out what you're capable of. You know, if you watch, you know, a rock concert, I'm going to see Daryl Hall uh, tonight, actually, and Todd Rundgren. And when you see these rock stars on the stage, and it looks just impossible. But you think of what a human can do with their hands playing a musical instruments and all that goes into it. Then you watch the Olympics and you see what these incredible athletes are capable of. And you think about, you know, or really strong debaters or public speakers or whatever it is. And all of these things, we all have the germ of that inside of us. And we can go and push those
0: envelopes in whichever of those directions we care to try. That's awesome. And you mentioned earlier But it's okay if we don't all turn out to be Olympic athletes or if we don't all turn out to be these amazing rock stars. We can still take it to a level that we can enjoy it. And that can bring us greater depth in our life and more variety and more interest. So that is awesome. Well, in addition to these amazing experiences, I mean, you've stretched yourself in music and you've stretched yourself in running, and you've also done some other things like skiing and your sailboat.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. There's there's so many of these things. And, you know, people, again, always limiting themselves. Um, You know, I skied a little bit when I was 16. And, uh, you know, you'd see these people coming down the hill in these beautiful rhythmic turns, and I'd be hacking my way, you know. And so it wasn't until age 30, I started taking ski lessons and um, as an adult. And, um, you know, again, you know, I don't know how long it took, but eventually got to the point where I could ski those, you know, lovely rhythmic turns that I've seen people do. And then there was a group of colleagues started racing during this adult racing league. It was called the Going Downhill League. <laughs> So, uh, and we talked about mammals, you know, middle-aged men in Lycra. So we'd be out there in our, you know, our racing suits and uh, with, in many cases, very middle-aged kinds of bodies. Uh, But anyway, you know, the exhilaration of being able to actually, you know, be up in the race hut, three, two, one, and there you go. And it's unbelievably cool, particularly when you're not wearing a lot in a race suit. And being able to time your turns, not just the rhythmic turns, but now to make it around ski games. And, you know, to finish smoothly, and then, you know, your time is recorded to the hundredths of a second and you're comparing with your bodies and it's competitive. And, you know, it wouldn't be the kind of sport you'd think would be a good thing to take up, you know, racing at middle age. But, you know, I still do it. And, um, you know, just it's a lot of fun. It's exhilarating. And yes, anyone can do it, right? It's so a lot of these things that are viewed as being impossible or, Only, you know, these people can do it. No, we all can can tackle these things. We're limited (laughs) by our imagination.
0: Yes. Limited by our imagination. And sometimes people don't even think about a desire to do something like that. It hasn't even crossed their mind. So as you're mentioning all these different activities that you participated in, I imagine a couple of listeners are gonna be thinking, I've never considered that. I could I could do that one. Oh, that one sounds fun. Or maybe some other idea will pop into their head like, well, I would like to try X, Y, Z.
1: Right, right. And I think the answer is yes. I think, yes, you do try it unless you've got, you know, some health issue that's actually limiting you. But you can do all of these things at whatever level is, is comfortable. But I encourage people to, to try a little bit more and try and push that level and see what they're capable of. And I think when we're living our lives – If you have, you know, something happening athletically and something spiritually or musically and you've got a cause or something that you're passionate about bringing to the world and helping other people with, and you've got great things happening with your family, you've got things going on socially with your friends. And I think when we have that whole world working in kind of a balance, but really pushing all of those things out a little bit, I think that's when we're the happiest.
0: That is awesome. I do agree that there's something about human nature that when we are progressing, it feels Mm -hmm. good. You know, when people talk about they're not satisfied at their work, it's like I'm stagnant. I'm not progressing. I feel like I'm just, you know, kind of wandering around. And when we feel like we're learning and growing, it is deeply satisfying.
1: And you have to get past difficult to get to that feeling. Get
0: past that something is going to be difficult and it takes work. Is that
1: what we're talking about? The joy lies just on the far side of difficult.
0: I think it takes a little bit of humility, too, to be able to be not good at something when you start. Because, you know, like you say, if you're thinking only, you know, kids learn how to do new things, they are allowed to make mistakes and they are allowed to experience this learning curve and we don't get upset if you know you know somebody's playing basketball and they don't know how to do it right away, but if we're older, they think you are allowed to do what you were trained to do when you were young, and you're already good at that you're allowed to do. In fact, you're allowed to go downhill because now you're not as young as you were but but new things, you know we're not we're not going to do that, right
1: Well and a lot of them have these kind of precipice, you know I think of the example my guitar teacher said, "Hey, you know, what do you want to play?" In a bar, I've got some of my students getting up on stage and, you know, playing. And I thought, you know, this is my crazy Walter Mitty dream. I've always had it on the list. You know, actually get on stage and play my guitar. And, you know, when it played out and uh, there's somebody up before me, and then he pointed to me and, like, waved me up, and I took my guitar up there. And just like every B-movie ever, I plugged it in and, you know, it kind of, you know, squeaked. <laughs> in every movie ever, and I, I get it tuned, and then, you know, he goes, and boom, there it is. And, you know, if ever there was a time, you know, you want to put a fear of failure, all these eyes, everybody looking at me, and I'm not a musician, I'm not any kind of a pro, and what if I botch it, and all this stuff, and I just, you know what, I just did it, and I practiced, and I just let myself go, and I just, I really enjoyed the moment. I wasn't worried about are they looking at me, how bad am I, I just played for the fun of playing the song, and Staying in sync with the bass player and the drummer, and you know what? It worked, and some people clapped, which was a bit of a miracle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only some and, of them.
1: Um, and it's just one of those ones. I may never do it again. I don't know. It's just one of those ones you can really hang on to. Uh, really, really fun.
0: That is great. So that's one more bucket list item. Check.
1: Okay, yeah. did that
0: one. That is yeah, awesome. Sure. Would well, you want to tell your your racing story, your um, sailing?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, sailing's another one. And, you know, I got into sailing. I worked 17 or 18 and just thought it was just the greatest sport. So I started racing on uh, big boats, you know, 30, 35, 40 feet uh, boats and uh, absolutely loved it. And then um, there's a race, the Mackinac Island race goes from Port Huron, in Michigan. All the way up the, all the way up Lake Huron to Mackinac Island up at the top of the lake. So it's the whole, the lakes look like a, ba- a bunch of bananas. So it's from the bottom to tip all the way up to the top, 250 miles. It's, uh, about 50 hours. So more than two days long, all through the night, all through the day, uh, with about 10 of us on a boat. Um, and I did this race and I said to myself, this is an incredible experience and, you know, almost no sleep and working away. And it's, Raining and blowing and, you know, miserable conditions. And I said to myself, I want to come back. I want to do this on my own boat. And I want to have my children as crew. And I said that, you know, when I was uh, in my 20s. And, um, and then I did it. I eventually had my own 36-foot racing boat. And I took my two sons. They were probably too young, but I took them anyway. They were 14 and 16. And often we went to do this race. And um, it was just a fabulous experience. And, you know, one thing to crew on somebody else's boat, another thing when it's your own boat to uh, to head off and do it. So just another one of those things, you know, it seemed impossible and, you know, some work and some effort and all things are possible.
0: Isn't that fantastic? All things are possible. And you believe in, and you are doing it, and because of your example, that's going to help give other people permission in their minds to try something and to do something. We all
1: can. We all can. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Is there anything that you want to make sure we cover before we close today?
1: No, I, I think, you know, I think everybody, everybody who's listening, you know, pick something, you know, and I think all of us have a dream, you know, somebody wants to be a dancer, somebody... As a fashion company that they want to launch, but they're busy working at a big box store in the meanwhile. You know, go and, and do that dream. Don't, you know, be looking back at 60 or 70 saying, if only I would have done it. You know, I could have done this thing. I had this dream. I had this idea. How many of us have ideas? Go grab it. Go try it. Go run the marathon. Pick up a guitar. Get some keyboards. Do the dreams that you've always wanted to do because we can. And I would say, if I can do these things, Anybody could do it because I have zero special skills of any kind. Wow. It's all there for everyone.
0: That's awesome. And what wonderful advice! I've heard that uh, studies done during hospice care, while people are at the end of life, and asking some questions like, you know, what was important or what did you regret? One of the number one regrets is, I wish I had. And and that you know, I had a dream, I had a desire, I didn't do it. I wish I had. And so I think as we remember that it's okay to try and to learn new things and we can find joy in that. And then on the flip side, remembering, if we choose to do it, we check it off our box and say, woohoo. And if we choose never to try, then that's a regret that stays with us. So Gordon, thank you so much for sharing with us today.
1: A real pleasure. Thanks so much, Linda.
0: In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. He said, with self-discipline, most anything is possible. Today, I invite you to think about what you want in your life and take one step towards achieving it. Because anything is possible. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thank you.